Welcome back to a new episode of Uncanny Treks, continuing our hype, our hype, our promotion of our upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds versus Legion of Superheroes Season 2 coverage. We are looking at some Legion of Superheroes comics. Specifically, we are looking at Legion of Superheroes in the 31st Century, the tie-in comic, issues number 7 through 16. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We are part of Uncanny Treks. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, Bob. We didn't read. We didn't read six issues. We read ten issues this time around, guys. Ten, and I read them all in one sitting. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's in- it. Was like a damn homework assignment from Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's intense, bro. That's intense. Yeah, yeah. I, I broke it up into several sittings. Yeah, I figure we should just go ahead and plow through. Uh, you know, it was we could have we could have gotten away with just doing like six or seven and then doing six or seven the other time. But, eh, you know, let's go ahead and plow through. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to our coverage of the other issues, please go back. We did those last week. This week, we're covering uh, issues seven through 16. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, I think if I remember the numbers right, it's basically Issues number four through 16 are more or less set in the interlude between season one of Legion of Superheroes and season two of Legion of Superheroes. That's why we're going all the way up to number 16. We'll come back around on issues numbers 17 through 20. When we finish covering Legion of Superheroes, those are set after season two. And I guess I I hadn't been thinking about this, but Matt did clue me into a technical fact I should throw out there. So... If you really want to get technical, a lot of these issues aren't actually set after season one, but they're set almost at the end of season one after spoilers, 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 wildfire dies in the season one finale and before Superboy leaves the 31st century. A few were set after Superboy leaves the 31st century, but most, I guess, would be set in between scenes of the last episode of season one. Does that make sense, Matt? It does make sense. And really, it's just you're just going to notice that in the comics that Superboy leaves suddenly like he's just he's no longer there. But then he'll pipe pop back in every now and then. Like, it's a weird thing. It doesn't really and mess up the comics that much unless you're trying to unless you're trying to connect it to the to the show. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes he comes back up in a flashback to like, oh, remember when we used to hang out with Superboy? And other times it's more like, nah, this issue is slightly out of order. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, so when you, but you can read these without having watched the show. So keep that. Oh yeah. 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 And only obsessive compulsives like Matt and myself would even need to think about where these sit on the timeline (laughs) of the the Legion of Superheroes cartoon. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Bob. All right. So let's dive into these, Bob issue number seven. Yeah. No boys allowed. You want to walk us through the plot of number seven, Matt? Sure, Bob. So the goddess Circe turns the female legionnaires against each other and goes to her stock move from the Odyssey of turning the male legionnaires into pigs to cover up her kidnapping of the new Wonder Girl, Princess Zenobia. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, New Themyscira, a.k.a. New Paradise Island. It's now on the Jovian moon Io, uh, which I looked this up. Apparently, Io is the driest and most volcanically active object in the solar system. It has over 400 volcanoes, Matt. Some are taller than Mount Everest. (laughs) Yeah, and Bouncing Boy refers to it as Planet of the Babes. (laughs) Yes, yes. I, I, I guess technically it should be Moon of the Babes or Solar System Object of the Babes. Yeah, exactly. It made no sense in the context. I was like, damn it, Bouncing Boy. (laughs) Don't worry. Bouncing Boy, Bouncing Boy, Bouncing Boy redeems himself. Don't worry about that. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was worried about Bouncing Boy. This this one little issue here he had in this, it's okay. 
I, I was worried that my, uh, in my opinion, a bouncing boy would suffer. Yeah. So the the Paradise Island residents or the Themyscirians are now ruled by Cersei. Uh, she's a long term reoccurring Wonder Woman villain, but they do still fondly remember uh, our Wonder Woman. They have a statue of Princess Diana, a huge statue on uh, Io. And don't worry, uh, statues of Justice Leaguers will be a reoccurring theme in these issues. Yeah, and it's, strangely, it's a bronze statue. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know why. I'm not sure what Wonder Woman's origin would have been in this continuity. But, you know, given the common origin of her, she was sculpted out of clay. It sort of makes sense. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, that does make sense. I was trying to figure out why it looks so odd. But, yeah, that is why. It's like a, it's it's darker than all the other things around it. So it doesn't doesn't quite fit. But uh, let me go back to Cersei, Bob. She was in the episode of uh, Justice League Unlimited called The Little Piggy, where she does the whole pig thing again. But this time she turned Wonder Woman into a pig. And, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman have a thing in Justice League uh, Unlimited. It's very cute. It's very yeah. cute. Um, and the only way that, you know, Batman was able to get Wonder Woman, Cersei to remove the curse was to sing within her, like, nightclub. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. I do and remember he, this, yes. And he, he sings, he sings, Am I Blue? Am I blue? Am I blue? Which was uh, <laughs> that was a weird moment in that series, but it was it was a memorable one. Which yeah yeah, it's a nice th- moment. And that's the thing about the Timbers; they have like little moments like that that you don't see in a lot of other cartoons. Expect like, I don't see a lot of those in this cartoon. I feel like they're maybe going for a younger audience with legion as opposed to jlu and also like it just feels much more kinetic and fast paced in legion like they're not going to pause for a breath you know right yeah but it was cool to see like the same scenario with cersei played out in different ways yeah so uh wonder girl and the girl legionnaires are supposed to go skiing on the planet thar which uh, for those of you keeping track at home is the home world of polar boy of the subs I got that world building for the win, Bob. Indeed, indeed. And uh, Matt, we we kind of learned something about Orange Triplicate Girl in the this episode, which I don't think was established in the cartoon, but it has been a year since I've watched it. We learned that Orange Triplicate Girl is the untrust, untrustworthy Triplicate Girl. Okay, yeah. Uh, my understanding, Orange is like the sneakier one, I guess. Yes, yes. And then I feel this issue introduces us, it actually introduces us to Triplicate Girl's multiple personalities or like different aspects of her personality. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the Triplicate Girl that wears white, she likes sports. The one who wears orange, she's more like posh. And the purple is the responsible one. So I, I didn't see that in the yeah. cartoon at all. <laughs> I just saw her flipping yeah. different people and do cool shit. This was, this was interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And they, they're really going to run with that in subsequent issues. Yeah, my favorite part of this issue is when Triplicate Girl actually pulls the uh, pulls Lightning Lad and Superman's pigtails to make them shoot lightning and heat vision. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, super pigs is a weapon. It's a very nice technique. Yeah, and then for some reason, uh, when they do this, it destroys part of Cersei's dress. And there's some horny artist on the next page even drew her midriff exposed, but it was just an error. Did you catch that? <laughs> I didn't catch that. It but, is so uh, you weird. Know. It's like, yeah, it's like just did, forgot to color. It reminds me of like Wolverine where they'd miscolor him in the X-Men animated series. <laughs> these, it's these little errors that make Matt happy. Yeah, they make me happy that people make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps me going. <laughs> All right. For our next issue, it's number eight. Three's a crowd. Um, Jack Briglio is the writer on this one. He's going to write uh, one or two more. 
of our comics here. And then Alex Sarah is back on the art. And for those of you who were with us last week, I believe he also did the arts for issues number five and six. All right. So in the plot of this one, Bouncing Boy and White Triplicate Girl go on a sports date while Superboy and Orange Triplicate Girl go to the club and Purple Triplicate Girl is stuck on monitor duty. Indeed, indeed. So, Matt, a philosophical question. If the different triplicate girls start going steady with different guys, is that polyamory? Um, we just need to have an entire episode dedicated to understanding triplicate girl, Bob, because this is too there's too much here. Because I'm also <laughs> wondering if you're dating one of them, are you also dating the others? And that implies some pretty crazy rule 34 type stuff. Yeah, usually I think the rule is if you're dating one triplicate girl, you're dating all of them. That's, I think, usually been the rule in the comics. But in this, yeah, this seems to stretch that with, you know, her going on two different dates with two different of her dupes. Although in fairness, these are like first dates. So, you know, it's not like anybody's exclusive yet. Yeah, there's so much going on here. And have you ever watched the United States of Terra? I never have heard it was good, but just I, I'm kind of prejudiced against Showtime shows. Dexter turned to crap. City on a Hill <laughs> turned to crap. I, I'm kind of prejudiced. I got it. Well, I'm not saying it's an amazing show or anything, but it it deals with the with multiple personalities like this. The woman in the show has three different. Well, actually, it's four four separate personalities, it, and there's weird rules to those as well. Kind of reminds me of that. Okay, because she's nice, married. Nice. It, what, her her primary personality. She's married to someone. But her oh, other okay. personalities, he's not allowed to be with her if she switches uh, personalities. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. One of her personalities is a lesbian, so she has a girlfriend. So it's like a weird – you could do something really weird with a triple girl thing here. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm sure Although they have. Inter- I just haven't – you know, I haven't read any of the I, Honestly, the, I don't think they've done that much. I mean, I think <laughs> fans like to imagine uh, that they do, but <laughs> – I, I think and for most of Triplicate Girl's history, especially in the original timeline, she was married to Bouncing Boy. I mean, she and Bouncing Boy get married, I think, in I think it's the early 70s. Maybe it's more the mid 70s. Uh, and although by that point, she's just duo damsel because one of herself has been killed. Although I will say that this issue is kind of accurate to like late 60s Legion comics where there was some romantic tension with Triplicate Girl and Superboy. Oh, wow. So, okay. So if one of them dies, not all of them die. Yeah. Yeah. No, by the, uh, by the end of the original Legion timeline, you're, you're just down to a single version of triplicate girl. Like, um, (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) What's her power? Uh, she just totes around a, a laser gun and Brainiac actually gets really concerned about her because you know, both because she's he feels responsible for her first self dying because his computer, his creation killed her, yeah. killed the first version of her. And then, oh, man, I'm blanking on who I think Time Trapper kills the second uh, the second triplicate girl. But oh, anyway, Brainiac five. Asshole. Yeah. Brainiac five feels very, uh, very concerned and responsible. So he gives her a uh, his he gives her his personal force field to protect herself at the end of the original Legion timeline, if I'm remembering it correctly. He's got a pretty badass force field, too. I have to admit, after watching the the, uh, Legion movie, which I have not finished yet, Bob, I'm sorry, I'm getting there. I promise. It's all right. But after watching part of that, I realized that Brainiac has this really badass force field that like if you hit it, it just gets stronger, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. I want to go back to one other thing you just said. You said Computo. 
Yes. In the comics, like I know they mentioned Caputo in one of these issues. I don't remember which one specifically. Did they ever mention that in the series? I don't think they did. Uh, I think they do. It's the it's the computer system that's running uh, the Legion headquarters. Okay. And I think it. I want to say it goes evil in season two. Spoilers, but I maybe it doesn't. But it probably does. I can't really okay. remember. It's been it's been a long time since I've seen season two. But yeah, yeah, Brainiac. It's Brainiac Five's robot or computer system that goes evil. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what other little bit of trivia? So while she's stuck on monitor duty, Purple Triplicate Girl is talking to Metropolis Science Police Officer Siobhan Aaron. So. Aaron is a longtime supporting character in the Legion. She often dates Element Lad, and she was revealed in an early 90s comic to be one of the first trans characters in Big Two comics, which some people don't like that story. But I, I think it's like a, a kind of sweet story. And it was, I, you know, I think it was trying to be ahead of its time. So I'd, I'd give it a lot of credit. Yeah, that is cool. That is really cool. For like, especially for early 90s. Yeah, yeah. I think that was Tom and Mary Beerbomb were the writers, I think, although I might be wrong about that. So, Matt, were you surprised that uh, Superboy was actually uh, the villain Starfinger? And I, I can't remember. Did you like Starfinger when he showed up in the subs episode in season one? Although I love Starfinger. He was my character of the week that week. He's so <laughs> dumb, but he's so awesome at the same time. That's what, um, and then I, I did I did realize something was off about Superboy because in the earlier panels, he's doing he's, he's out of character. He's like combing his yeah. hair and being all yeah. like suave. Yeah. And I thought maybe the writer just sucked. But I was like, no, nah, that can't be right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's like very funny. Someone's characterization of Superboy is way off. <laughs> Orange triplicate girl says very says it very well that it's so easy to confuse 21st century weirdness with bad guy weirdness. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> and so uh, we have called uh, we have said bad things about Orange triplicate girl. We've called her sneaky and untrustworthy. But I, I did like in this issue how protective of her sisters or her other selves Orange triplicate girl is. It's rather sweet. So, Bob, do you know which one died in the comics first? Was it were they color coded like the? Uh, no, I, they oh. weren't. They weren't color coded in the same way. No, sadly. Oh man, they might have done other color codings with. I think they had done color codings with Triplicate Girl before this series, but I, I think this might be. And somebody could correct me on this, but I think this might be the first time that they really commit to this like purple, orange, and white scheme. Yeah, that's I mean that adds to each one being different to me. So I I don't know if, if that's what they're going for or not. Do they they have different personalities in the comics though, right? Or, Originally in the Silver Age, no, no, not really. In other versions, yes, sometimes. So she really she was just like a a, a crummier version of Multiple Man. Yeah, yeah. Although I mean, you know, in fairness, she she well predates Multiple Man, and oh yeah, I, I don't I don't think they really stuck. I don't really think they start playing with multiple man's dupes having different personalities. I, I mean, I don't even know if they really did that in the nineties. That might they be did, more of a two thousand. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they didn't. Okay. At all. Okay. Yeah. They they start doing that by the two thousands at right. least. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't even really remember if they did that for multiple man in the nineties. Well, we do have another character that comes back here, which I, yeah, I, yeah. It's always like great to have matter eater lad be the clutch player that, you know, the guy who saves the day. Yeah, this is the first time I realized that he has like a tooth on his chest to represent like eating, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What 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 better logo could he have, Matt? What better logo I don't know, could a he mouth have? Or... <laughs> I, I think a tooth is a much more powerful thing. Uh you you've never read the novel McTeague, have you? No. 
Uh, It's about this loser who becomes a dentist who like really is in love with the tooth statue that represents his dental practice. It's great. Oh, okay. That's a fascinating read. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a great, it's a great novel, man. It's a great novel. All right. So after this issue, Bob, am I supposed to think the Starfinger is from the same planet as Triplica Girl? Yeah, they're certainly teasing that, aren't they? Uh, which would be the planet Karg, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Because in this in this comic, Starfinger splits into three people at one point. And yeah. Yeah. Triplica Girl's like, what? <laughs> and I, I just couldn't figure out if that's just another part of his like finger things or if he actually is like you know it possibly I think the same power has the same power i think they keep it kind of open like it is something that like his his star finger powers maybe could do but it yeah it also could just be that he's a car guide all right bob so we have definitely exhausted this issue with yes, Girl. Yes. but triple yes, girl is so. fascinating i have to say for such a stupid character at first very fascinating character <laughs> like oh, yeah, these she's, issues but I think my three favorite Legionnaires are the three who meet Supergirl for the first time. And it, it is Triplicate Girl, Phantom Girl and Saturn Girl. I think they're my three favorites. Yeah. I mean, the fascinating character once they like, you know, you can tell they've really dived into her story. You know, I could see like yeah. the 60s version not being interesting at all. But then going and really adding more personality and pieces to this is what just expanding on her, her origins and stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. She's cool. And she's the she's the depth. fourth she's the fourth legionnaire. She's the first one to join after the founders, I believe. Well, technically is she okay. Now here's another question, Bob. Is she count as three members or one? Usually, <laughs> usually, usually one, but if you want to count her as the fourth, fifth, and sixth, you may. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> All right. So for uh speaking of numbers, we've got issue number nine, uh bad ideas. We've got our boy Scott Beatty back on writing. <laughs> he of uh Batgirl Year One and Bane is uh Batman's half brother. And then we've got Ethan Beavers back on art. You want to walk us through the plot of issue number nine, bad ideas, Matt? Yeah. Okay. I'll just go ahead and start with this issue though, Bob. Before we before you mentioned Scott Beatty. Yeah. I, this was probably my least favorite issue. Other than yeah, the, which just <laughs> adds to that. I just don't like him as a writer. I think that's what it boils down to. Well, uh, I, I agree with you that this is a weaker, um, a weaker issue. But I do think his issues uh, last week were pretty good. And yeah, yeah. again, Batgirl bat year one, all time uh, great uh, Batgirl comic. So I, I do think like it's a combination of the man like likes his backstories too much sometimes. Yes. And there's, there's something about the execution of this that just, it's kind of hard to follow or kind of confused. It's, or rushed exactly. Or something. It's off. And I feel like it's a little convoluted at times, but I mean, and you're right. It, he's kind of hit or miss, you know, like I guess with this stuff, yeah. it just, th- this was definitely one of the, lo- but let's go into the plot and, and our listeners, you, you can listen to the plot and it doesn't sound that bad, but it just like Bob said, an execution didn't go as well. So Brainiac five realizes he's the great, great grandson of Superman's arch enemy, then has an unorthodox plan to get Superboy in touch with his Kryptonian past. Unorthodox plan being Bob's a euphemism for, I didn't quite follow what was going on and I didn't care enough to really try to understand it. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah. So I, I will say that my, my first big thought was we, we do see Brainiac one's design in this issue and it made me a little sad. It made me be like, man, this really is a missed opportunity that this is not in that Tim verse timeline, you know? 
Oh, this could have been in the Timbers. I don't. I just they would have done it that way. But uh, I do love this photograph of Superman and Brainiac that they show. It's apparently found in mm-hmm. a landfill. Mm-hmm. Hasn't decomposed or anything. Just <laughs> magically. Hey, man. Made it to the 31st Jimmy century. Olsen takes quality pictures. He yeah. takes quality <laughs> millennium lasting pictures. Well, that was the one thing I wanted to point out. It's a very little Easter egg in the lower left-hand corner. It says that it was taken by Jimmy Olsen. So you got that, which is kind of a cool little nod to you know Superman's best friend. Yeah, Superman's pal. Superman's pal, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, so you, Bob, you felt most, like you were able to follow all the Brainiacs in this, Matt? I, I kind of, yes, because that Legion of Superheroes uh, animated film on HBO Max or, or Max, whatever it's called now, most of them were evil. Like all those Brainiacs, there's like Brainiacs 1 through, I think all the way up to 11, right? <laughs> no, 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 there's no, no, no. There's only five. Oh, there's only uh, five total. Have, yeah, he he is twelfth level intelligence. Oh, but he's Brainiac five. Duh, I'm he's sorry. Brainiac five. So yeah, yeah, Brainiac yeah. one is okay. I'm, I'm gonna edit this. So Brainiac, so Bob Brainiac one. You know he's the bad guy we all know. Brainiac two was like a damn assassin. Brainiac, no, 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 no. So 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 so. Let me, Brainiac Bob, two, Bob's gonna show me up on this Brainiac shit. Go for it. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember that comic that was published when we were kids called? Uh, Legion, but it was it was spelled like an acronym, like L period, E period, yes, G I do period. Remember that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And do you remember the comic that replaced it um, after Zero Hour that was called Rebels that was spelled in the same way, like R period, E period, okay, B period? I vaguely remember that. Yes, I'm more familiar with the Legion. Okay. With the, with the, yeah, yeah. So that's not a very good comic, but it is interesting, and it's a prequel to the Legion of Superheroes that set it. Both of those comics are prequels to the Legion of Superheroes and they're set in, you know, the contemporary late eighties, early nineties, DC cosmic universe. And that's led by Brainiac's son. Although, you know how much he's like more oftentimes it's more, he's his creation than a son. Real docs Two, who's Brainiac Two, And so Brainiac two isn't a, bad guy he's just a very ruthless hero usually is how he's portrayed does that make sense he's like the punisher (laughs) maybe not the punisher but he's kind of like amanda waller would be the closest um analog to him i would say he's an asshole he can make like he makes the he's he's kind of like He's kind of like Spock, you know? Yeah, he's an he's an asshole combination of Amanda Waller and Spock who runs like basically runs like Interstellar Blackwater or Interstellar, you know, one of the like an Interstellar mercenary company, basically. Okay, so who's Brainiac 3? He's he's what? Oh, God. I Brainiac. Don't worry about that. You're good. good. Yeah. Brainiac 4, though. You know, that one. (laughs) Yeah, usually Brainiac. For is thought to be Pulsar Stargrave, who's another um, another Legion villain who's you sometimes see, although sometimes you see different versions. But yeah, usually uh, usually it's Pulsar Stargrave who's a okay. villain. And then Brainiac Three is Lyral Dox, who, if I'm remembering right, is. A villain is like the villainous son of Brainiac 2, who gives him a lot of trouble in the Legion series. Okay. Yeah, I just got so the really quick two, rundown yeah. from that uh, from that from that movie, and I don't think it and said it that, like that. That's that's a little <laughs> different. That's a little different from the movie and from this comic, but that's I think in the DC timeline, that's usually the way it goes. Is that two and five are 
our heroes and one, three and four villains. Okay. So I guess it's, it is okay to kind of trust Brainiac five. You really don't know if he's like good or evil, like if he has evil intentions. I mean, I would think, I don't know. It's, yeah. just, it's just weird because it, it, his whole idea is that he's going to send Superboy back in time to ancient Krypton through the Phantom Zone and time travel and then immediately yeah. ask all of them for their flight rings. I just I just feel like that's a, you know, like that's just a weird I was waiting for Brainiac to turn on them or like you find out that his programming is messed up, you know, like or something weird. So I think this issue and maybe there was like one issue of the Legion comic that or the Legion cartoon that did this and the Legion movie does this. They kind of play with Brainiac maybe being evil. The Legion comics generally like maybe I'm forgetting something big, but I would say almost never are you supposed to think Brainiac five is like a bad guy. He's like always just a good guy. He's maybe a little bit of an asshole or a little cold, but he's always just a good guy. And it's I think it's only in more recent media adaptations where people are like, oh, yeah, the natural thing to do is to explore if he's evil, yeah. whereas in the Silver Age, it was just kind of taken for granted. No, he's a good guy. Like it's supposed to, you know, kind of be a symbol of like how advanced the 30th century is that the fifth Brainiac is a decent guy. And by the time the writers got interested in that sort of complexity, the fact that he was a good guy was so well established that like teasing him as being evil wouldn't have made that much sense. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Uh and then in one scene, you know, he it, it, the other way he like tries to connect with Superboy in this is he says he has access to a Boy Scout guide in his memory banks and he builds a Travoice. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't give a shit that you're building a Travoice. You're still kind of shady, Brainiac. I'm just saying you, you, yeah, you threw us yeah. through the you threw us through the Phantom Zone to like ancient Krypton where there's no people living. So eh, it, it's kind of far fetched. Just saying. Uh, and then the way he gets his memories back, the way he gets his memories back with Superboy hitting him. That was yeah. odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it I, was. I, fig- it I was. figured that was going to loosen some, uh, some like Brainiac One programming, <laughs> some Brainiac or One vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just uh, like I said earlier with the right with with Scott Beatty here. It's a cool idea, but like the way it's executed, Superboy punching him to get the the information that was dumb. It was also pretty wild when they took that detour and they saw Thomas Wayne, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sire Bane on Santa Prisca. That was wild. Yeah. Too. I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scott Beatty's got a weird, uh, weird mind. Maybe. Has he written yeah, anything else yeah. that maybe we should read so we can other than Batgirl that's good. So I can like at least uh, I can I was, cleanse my palate of some of the things he has. He did poorly and then maybe like have a better opinion of him. Did you read Nightwing year one? Yes, I did. He wrote that. Uh, he co-wrote he co-wrote that with Dixon, that and Batgirl Year One. I I don't remember Nightwing Year One that well, but yeah, um, I think that's I think that's the main stuff. I mean, I think there has been other stuff he's done, but that I think oh he did okay. He also co-wrote um, Robin Year One. So okay, yeah, Robin yeah, Year One's pretty good. Too. I would say that. I would say, and I think on my impression, this could be wrong, but my impression is he did a lot more. My impression is Dixon were involved on Robin year one and Beatty was more involved in Batgirl year one, but I guess they're both credited for both. Um, Maybe he needs somebody to just like balance him out. That's what Dixon did for him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I mean, I think, I think the thing about Bane was also Dixon's idea. He did oh. write it, <laughs> but like Dixon was like one of the early guys involved in coming up with Bane and I, or maybe even technically created him. Yeah. And I think that was, I think that was something that Dixon had had in the back of his mind, even though he wasn't the one responsible for the execution of it. And he, and he knew it was a bad idea. So he gave it to Scott Bane. <laughs> <laughs> I think by that point, Dixon might have fallen out with DC. Like there was like there, there've been there've been a couple of different like Chuck Dixon fallouts with DC. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I've heard I, especially because he's a pretty. I, I don't know if you know this about Dixon, and I still enjoy his writing, but the man's like a pretty vile homophobe. It's, it's oh yeah, we, we discussed this in other podcast before. Yeah, he he's yeah yeah yeah. All right, Bob. So Sunboy shows up and when Sunboy yeah, always nice up, to see Sunboy. Yeah. When he shows up, he's singing Sunshine on My Shoulders, which is a John Denver <laughs> song. It's the 31st century yeah, yeah. Bob. And they're singing John Denver. <laughs> then later we hear him singing The Temptations, My Girl, 31st Century Bob. <laughs> How does this music survive? I mean Matt, do you know do you know any uh, music that was made in the 2020s? Uh yeah. Yeah. I know, I, I know a lot of it. I'm just saying, I guess Apple, Apple iTunes or whatever in the 31st century just has a catalog of hundreds of years of music <laughs> you can choose from. I mean, I like it's like I, Spotify. I, I don't know. On the one hand, on the one hand, I agree with you. And it is a really ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it is a really ridiculous thing in science fiction where like contemporary culture survives a thousand years. On the other hand, I, I would say, like, given the, I, I think the crazy prevalence that like music from the fifties to the seventies still has in our culture, like you could so you imagine think, you think the like, twenty year, the twenty year span that we still listen to that music, we're going to be listening thousands of years. So, like, Matt, what, Matt, what, Matt, 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 yeah. Matt, you yeah. mean the, you mean the, it's been fifty years since the seventies, dog. I well, that's what I mean. This. I mean that twenty year span. You're talking about sixties. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you think that's what I'm saying? We're just going to expand it, so we're going to have thousands of years of uh, of music on our Spotify in the year the thirty first century. You can just pull up like. No, like, I'm saying I'm saying that's a lot. That a lot. Of music. I'm saying that a lot will be forgotten. Like, I, I don't think a lot of 90s music will be remembered, sad to say. Bullshit. But anyway, I, <laughs> I don't think a lot of odds music is going to be remembered. Bullshit. Dog. Here's my thing, Bob. Yeah. Maybe music, maybe between now and the 31st century, something happens to music. And that's why they still want to listen to the old stuff. Maybe people just stop playing music or stop <laughs> making music. I gave up maybe so, it. Matt. Maybe maybe it becomes illegal. <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> These are the things we should write about, and how Sunboy has to uh, has to pirate his uh, John Denver music. However, they pirate things in the 31st century. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we skip ahead to uh, number ten, Matt. Yes, Bob. Issue number ten: House Arrest. All right, so we got a uh, Matthew Manning on writing we got alex sarah back on art um matt have we talked about a matthew manning comic before on the podcast i could swear we did but i couldn't find a good bibliography for him online and i checked back on the notes for our young justice and blue beetle comics which i think would have been where we most likely would have talked about him and he doesn't seem to have come up there so i don't, I don't know yeah he wrote he wrote a bunch of stuff for like the nickelodeon teenage mutant Ninja turtles and he wrote one of the Batman crossovers with the Ninja Turtles. It's the more like animated series style one, right? Yes, it's like cartoony. It's a lot more cartoony. It's not the 
you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the IDW main series, which is what they did with, uh, which is what James Tinian, when he did his, that's what it was. And that yeah. one was awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was I like James where, Tinian, but I got to say, I'm not, I'm not reading that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. You, you wouldn't care, but like, I yeah, mean, Donatello gets, Donatello gets hooked on Venom. I mean, come on, you can't beat that. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I mean, come on. How can you not enjoy that? Still not going to read it, but that's pretty good. Yeah. But Manning also wrote some of the episodes of Be Where the Batman. So that was another place, you know. Uh, okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Good. Good cartoon, by the way. Good cartoon. Yeah. Um, so the plot Assassin of this one did Bob, get a second season. Yeah. What's the plot for this the, one, Matt? The plot of this one: the Legion goes off to a hot concert, but leaves Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad behind, who are trapped in the headquarters, besieged by the Fatal Five. Yeah, I think I may have said this last year when we were covering season one, Matt. But this is some original Legion continuity spoilers. Uh, Validus, the great hulking beast of the Fatal Five, actually turns out he's uh, one of Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad's kids. He's a uh, uh, kidnapped back in time and turned into a monster by Darkseid. Uh, so there's a lot of like weird like things with that in mind in this issue you have like valid is trying to sniff out lightning lad and saturn girl as uh, they like hide in a locker together and are nearly making out face and then face. later you have yeah face to face and then later you have lightning lad a uh, Complimenting Saturn Girl's maternalism because she like telepathically soothes Validus to sleep. So a lot of, a lot of interesting little nods to that, I guess. And see, I didn't know any of that, Bob. And that is insane that, that you told me that. And now that I read, now that I went back and reread that panel and all the, the whole page, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense now. <laughs> so having that little tidbit of information, knowing that Validus is actually the future son of these two is, is interesting. And I was also going to ask you about like the chemistry between lightning lad and uh, Saturn girl, because we, yeah, we saw yeah. that in the, in the first season, but then we kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. hinted that maybe Superboy was going to do some stuff with Saturn girl at some point. I think it was and more just, yeah, yeah. I, I think the I think it was more just throw Superboy and Timberwolf in as obstacles between the one, you know, kind of like Cyclops and uh, Gene, the one yes. people just kind of so assume. Lightning Lad yeah. and Supergirl are pretty much destined to be together. I mean, Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl are kind of destined to be together, right? Is that pretty much what happens? Pretty much. Pretty okay. much. They're, they're, they're probably the most iconic single couple from the Legion. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, when they there, there is a missed opportunity for some ultra violence, Bob, in this issue when they launched the Persuader's atomic axe at Emerald Empress's eyeball. They should have just yeah. kept it the damn eye. They <laughs> I hit know, it man. against the wall, but not with the axe part, with the handle. <laughs> come on, come on. You could have split that eyeball in two. I, it's, a, it's, it's a comic for kids, Matt. You can't do the eye trauma, even if it is the Emerald Eye of Ekron and not, <laughs> and not someone's actual eye. <laughs> the primary reason I mentioned this, Bob, is because in the last episode we talked about... <laughs> I said, yeah, man, yeah. they could do a lot more of that eye. They could, I want to see somebody hit it with a baseball bat. We were that close. <laughs> I also say that the uh, the Emerald Eye of Ekron, one of the most powerful things in uh, the galaxy, along with uh, the Atomic Axe. So I'm not I, I wouldn't be so sure the Atomic Axe would win. That's all I'm saying. Oh, OK. Wow. Damn. Well, that maybe that's why they just held it against the wall with the handle, which I don't I don't understand that at all because I don't I mean. You think the eyeball could just slip out? I don't. I don't know. Although in fairness, in fairness, the, the atomic axe, you know, it can cut through anything, including like the fundamental forces. Like it can cut through gravity, which I've always thought was cool. Can it cut through adamantium or vibranium? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes Matt. <laughs> All right. Yes. So, Bob, 
the fight, the Fatal Five kind of suck. I mean, getting, that's what I'm getting I, from this cartoon. Look, the the Legion are not blessed with many villains that they can easily scrap with. And so I think the comic and the cartoon are kind of overusing them. Okay. Because they don't, they, they don't even come close to defeating even like two members of League of, of, League of Superheroes. Legion, I'm sorry, they're not coming close. To, God, don't want to talk about it. They don't even come close to defeating two members of the uh, Legion of Superheroes. Like, they, they, they get their asses handed to them. Yeah, I, I, I think the I think the comic and the cartoon, especially the comic, but also the cart the cartoon did this too, just haven't um, really been able to use the Fatal Five like they should be used. The Fatal Five should be a huge, huge threat. Um, they've killed at least one Legionnaire, maybe more. So, hmm. yeah, okay. it's just one of those like they don't have a lot of like iconic, like hands on villains, if that makes sense. That does make a lot of sense. It's just not like I'm sure in the actual. I don't know. I need to go back and read some of the comics that are not the, the like the mainstream con the main the main yeah, yeah, yeah. comics. I think that would probably help me understand them a little better because right now I just yeah. like Fatal we'll Five and like Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady to me. They just <laughs> they just get their we'll ass do that at some point. Into, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Bob. Let's move on to issue number eleven. All right. So number 11 is Mars. We got uh, Jay Torres back on writing. We got Alex Sarah back on art. What's the plot, man? So Phantom Girl ribs Brainiac 5 about his melancholy over Superboy's return to the 20th century. And they flash back to an early mission where Superboy got lost on Mars. So, Matt, this one issue may go further in establishing Brainiac 5's crush on Superboy than anything the cartoon does. Yeah, He's just building contingency plans, Bob, by reviewing everything Superboy did while in the 31st century. Like, it's not really weird when Batman does it. So why is it weird when he does it, Bob? Come on. I, I mean, the, the contingency plan of his dates with Superboy. <laughs> He's got it. Bob, what if they're on a date and there's an attack by the Fatal Five? They got to make sure they have a plan in place. <laughs> it's important to explore. It's important yeah, to explore. Yeah. So there's a billboard early in this issue that really made me laugh. It uh, says Mars needs men and women. Join the science police. Uh, I like that. In the same panel that billboard we see the celery aliens from number six again and we see uh, one of green lantern tomar Rees people who are kind of like fish people and i just want to say bob damn you you're right it is celery it's not broccoli so ugh. we both we both made that mistake last week that's on both of us <laughs> well i wanted to be broccoli i didn't want to be celery celery i wanted to be the broccoli people who yeah. got killed by the phoenix <laughs> Bro Bro broccoli broccoli is better than celery. You're yeah, correct. <laughs> so, Matt, do you remember who the Hyper Clan were? So they're like Martian separatists, but I thought they were white Martians. These are green Martians. Yeah, yeah. In this comic, the Hyper Clan are Martian separatists, but in the inaugural arc of Morrison's JLA, they're white Martians who are posing as superheroes. Great, great story if you've never read it. Um, and the it fact has white Martians and they're part of the Hyper Clan makes it like. <laughs> There's some irony there. Yeah, that is a I mean, it's not spelled with a K, but now that you point that out, it yeah, is it may not as well the be. best. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's been it's fascinating. Have I ever told you that story about the creepy old librarian uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine worked with? No. 
so my ex worked in the University of Georgia library and they had this old woman there who, you know, had like worked there since like, you know, the 1890s or whatever the hell. And it was like they, you know, she didn't really do work anymore. It was more she just went out and looked for books and they like left books out for her to find that sort of thing. <laughs> But, you know, sweet old woman by all accounts. And so, you know, people humored her or whatever, whatever. And so she was coming by looking for um, a book. And so she was looking at my ex's uh, cart and the book uh, had a couple of K's in the call number and in like the Library of Congress call number and she, that she was looking for. And so my ex just kind of jokingly was like, oh, don't worry, no KKK here. And the old woman stops, looks at my ex really intently, and she's like, well, I never approved of violence, but something had to be done. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, Jesus, Granny. That's awful. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Ooh. All right, then. Well, Well, this this hyper clan reminds me of of the, the, you know, the clan here, the way they act. So. (laughs) <laughs> I guess they are separatists. That doesn't make it any, that doesn't, that does make it uh, kind of <laughs> even more intense. Well, I mean, I mean what they yell and stuff just is all like, yeah, sounds exactly like something the KKK would yell. Well, it's also kind of weird that it's they're Martian separatist and they're green Martians, not white Martians, but They've also, you know, it's like they either they don't understand the history because they're stupid bigots or the history is just confused because, you know, they're using the name Hyper Clan, but they revere the Martian Manhunter and they're shouting his name constantly. Yeah, who's a green Martian? Yeah, yeah, who's a green Martian and who would, you know, and who wouldn't truck with anything they're saying. It's also like it's just a weird little touch that, you know. Because of this story in this timeline, like Superman's first exposure to the name of the Martian Manhunter is it's being yelled at him by bigots who are beating him up. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And the whole statue of, of him, of the Martian Manhunter in his, in his get up, in his costume, like why yeah. are these Martians not their natural form, Bob? Well... Uh, I mean, that, you know, in this in this in this version, this may be the Martians natural form, you know. Oh, or they just assume the readers are like not as familiar with like. Yeah, well, and it's for kids like, you know, you probably want to keep it simpler. Yeah, it should be confusing. But that blew my mind, too, because now now Superman, now Superboy has seen what Martian Manhunter looks like. So now when he meets him, it shouldn't really even be like a surprise. It's like, oh, yeah, same dude. It's one of those yeah, it is one of those things that's kind of weird about this, like that, because usually Legion stories aren't so heavily tied into like prequel stuff for Superboy, and they're not so like tied into like 20th or 21st century DC timeline. Right. But yeah, like when Superboy meets Wonder Woman and Martian Manhunter, he's just going to be like, damn, you look just like the statues, I, the huge <laughs> statues I've seen on Mars and Io. And Oh yeah. damn! I've seen I've seen a thousand Green Lanterns. You're kind of underwhelming, Hal Jordan. Yeah. So one thing I do want to point out this this issue, Bob. And we'll move on to the next one. Is I appreciate the ending with Lightning Lad being a complete douche and wanting to watch uh, Sims of Superboy's most embarrassing moments, like when he's lost I mean, on Mars. I don't even know if I would call Lightning Lad a douche for that. I just thought it was really <laughs> funny, and I, I I feel him. I feel him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, number 12 is uh, Lone Wolf. We've got Matthew Manning back on writing. We've got Ethan Beavers back on art. What's the plot at number 12, Lone Wolf, Matt? So Timberwolf has a solo adventure while Phantom Girl's presidential mom hands out medals to the Legion. Do you like our more bestial Timberwolf here, Matt? I really do. He's like way more vicious here. Uh, the uh, Legion of Superheroes animated film, he looks so much more like Wolverine there. That yeah, I get the connection yeah. now because originally you had been telling me, yeah, he's like he's like looks a lot like Wolverine and the other guy, the not the Starjammer, but the guy is it the Starjammer? Fang. 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 He's, he's an Imperial like Guard. Imperial yeah, Guard. Yeah. yeah, he looks like Fang. I'm like, yeah, he really does. And then the, in in this series, not so much, but in like the that other film, he's like, well, that's Logan. <laughs> that's might as well just be him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. In this issue, Phantom Girl is really running down T Wolf for not being a part of a team, not contributing. And it's like, come on, Phantom Girl, it's not T Wolf's fault that the writers just dropped him during the middle of season one. Yeah, and she shell over him after making uh extremely outdated Lion King references. Apparently, hey, Matt, in the third. <laughs> 31st century, those are very timely, all right? Very timely. Like, how many King reboots of the Lion King have there been at this point in the 31st century? <laughs> they still have Hakuna Matata and all that crap. <laughs> uh, 15, 1,500. Yeah, yeah, 1,500. I, 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 I consulted the DC Wiki and 1,500 is the they answer. Live action, virtual reality, augmented reality. They had every single version of Lion King you could possibly have all the way to the 31st century. <laughs> so Matt, is is Team Wolf just indifferent to his Legion credit card or does he not understand what a credit card is, you know, given his more bestial state? I don't know what kind of interest rate do you think they have in the 31st century on these credit cards. That's my thing. <laughs> right now it's ridiculous. And I don't know, like, like even at my, uh, yeah, I'm like, uh, when I was younger, I was like, okay, I'll use a credit card. It's got like, you know, seven, 8% interest rate. Now it's like every credit card is like 20% interest rate. The 31st century, it's gotta be like what? In the 60, 60%, 60%, no, 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 it's know. utopian 31st century, Matt. Five days. Uh, if it's a utopia, and... they don't need credit cards, Bob. That's I, why I think it, it, it's a it's Legion a, it's gift a, card, it's, Bob. It's a Legion gift card. Okay. They okay. hand them out to All everybody. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. You're right. It's a Legion gift card. <laughs> it's a hundred dollar Legion gift card. <laughs> Can fix anything they want to. They just hand them out when they tear stuff up. So Matt, I will card. say as much as I do like Brainiac five, I also really like the idea of him getting tasered by the secret service. Yeah. On intergalactic television, no less as light and lab points out. Yeah. 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 Nice way. Nice way to wind down the issue. Nice way. Yeah. I, I appreciate this issue kind of singling out Timberwolf though, and giving him a chance to shine. Cause it was a really nice change of pace and it was in the series, you know, he only had that real that one episode where he was highlighted. Everything else was just kind of, you know, he just was in the background or had an insignificant part. Yeah. And I don't think season two corrects that, although maybe I'm wrong. No. All right, Bob. Issue number 13, back in Metropolis. Yeah. So we've got Torres back on writing, Sarah back on art. Uh, you like that cover, Matt? Oh, yeah. The cover on this one is badass. That's a good cover. It's got the Legion. It's got Superman changing in the phone booth. And they've they've. He looks more adult-like in the in, on the cover than he does in the comic. So what's going on in the plot of this one, Matt? So Superman does many debuting in Metropolis things while flashing back on his training with the Legion. So you know this better than I would, but the opening is basically the interview for us from Superman the movie, right? But it's more of an animated series style, Lois Lane. Yeah, minus Lois smoking... <laughs> X-ray her to determine if she has lung cancer and that she's wearing pink panties. The flying across Metropolis while Lois recites a poem. Superman dropping and catching her to do one of those. Are they 
are they or aren't they kiss things you know like that that, that all that was missing but yeah it's kind of like the movie one isn't some of the dialogue like straight out kind of yeah i mean what, what else is she gonna ask him well true true um <laughs> it, it is uh it is this kind of interesting touch to have the justice league be lois's idea yeah that, that was a that was interesting and then i don't know the whole the whole conversation between lois and clark inside the little car she drives while she's driving really fast mm-hmm. and superboy and superman's like uh you know oh this is how she got to me so quickly because she drives like a crazy person that was a <laughs> that was very different than what I've seen before. With like their those two characters, there was something about their back and forth yeah, there that yeah. stuck with me. But uh, do you have any thoughts on Lois and Clark being on the same like level at the Daily Planet? Like they're both just now entering the whole reporting thing. Uh, I mean, generally, I think Clark should be beneath Lois, and Lois should be more established. I, That's I, what I, I thought too. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why it, you would switch that. Yeah, it was weird. They were both like junior reporters at this point or not junior. that's also one of the thing that's also one of the things i'm not looking forward to about that upcoming superman animated series is that like it looks like they're playing up jimmy clark and lois is all like interns together it just looks very childish yeah that's usually what they do when there's like super boy stuff about like when they're trying to do like a younger version of superman they've done it before they did in that super boy 80s show like they were all in college together getting degrees oh, gross in gross <laughs> all right so we do get something cool here though bob we're we're that, introduced we're introduced for like probably the billionth time to luther lex luther's battle suit why is that so suit so damn cool to me like uh, i own because the, I, I own the superheroes version like the the action yeah, figure yeah. as a kid and it's just iconic looking i don't, I don't know because why. uh because pink and green are awesome and they're awesome together that's why that's probably exactly why it's just the colors yeah, yeah. So, were you excited that Brainy's building a battle suit inspired by Lex's uh, great suit? It's a smart move. I mean, Brainiac Five warns Soup's about Brainiac and Luther, and I don't see how he's not like causing a ripple because Soup's <laughs> knows about Brainiac. He knows about Luther. He knows about uh, what else does he know about? He knew something we mentioned earlier. earlier Phantom Zone. Yeah, Phantom Zone. Like here, he knows all this shit. So why is he not like yeah. utilizing it? Yeah, it's Legion stories generally have to kind of work like Doctor Who stories where it's just impossible to disturb the timeline. Maybe when they go back to the past, there's some like fog, brain fog or something. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they do actually play that up is that it's kind of hard. It like that. He doesn't really remember the 31st century. It's more just like a dream. Like he remembers it, but in a dreamlike way. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good plot. Uh, It's not plot armor. What is that plot? Plot magic, plot hand plot waving, magic, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bob. Issue number 14. Yeah, it's called See Me, which I had to look up because I forgot to put it in the notes. And uh, we have uh, Briglio back on writing, uh, Adam Archer on art. Yeah. One thing I noticed about this, Bob, is that this particular artist, Charles Brainiac, is very, very childlike. Like he's maybe like eight or nine years old or something. He's much shorter <laughs> than everyone else. He's like he, he just looks like a little kid. Whereas in the other issues, he looks more like a teenager and kind of fits in with the rest of them. Yeah. So I I think generally this version of Brainiac in the animated series, like just looks more childlike in general. But I think you're right that in this artist's hands, he looks especially, uh, especially childlike. He looks like a baby. All right. uh, What's the plot of uh, number 14? See me. 
So Phantom Girl has problems with seeing dead people, reverting to her solid form, and most of all, problems with her mom. All right, Matt, any criticisms you'd like to lob at Element Lad's soul patch? He looks rather stupid. Yeah, it does look pretty rough, doesn't it? So this this issue is a little out of order. Presumably, it has to take place uh, before issue number 11 because it's got Superboy in it. But, you know, who, who really cares? Um, so, Matt, did you uh, think anything about Xavier Rowe? I honestly, this issue, I, I like while reading this issue, I enjoyed it. But there wasn't a lot really to talk about. I didn't really care too much for the whole bad guy thing here. Is this another Legionnaire? Is this another Legion bad guy? Is that no, is? no? Um, you remember the Justice League villain Kanjaro, the wielder yeah. of the Gamma Gong? Presumably, Xavier Rowe is his descendant, who you know runs and is an evil businessman instead of an intergalactic pirate. Okay. So yeah. A bit different. yeah. Okay. And so basically what this issue does is it kind of sanitizes the original Silver Age origin of Element Lad, which we talked about this with Tom King's Supergirl, like the Silver Age origins could get really messed up. Right. Right. So Element Lad is the last survivor of a geocide committed by the plant, uh, the pirate Roxas. He like kills everyone on uh, Element Lad's uh, world except for Element Lad. and. Then in the late 80s, early 90s, they kind of just play up Roxas as like an interstellar Joker. But here, instead of having Roxas be a character, Roxas, maybe because of its similarity to the evil uh, corporation in Marvel, Roxxon, uh, becomes an energy company and a subsidiary of LexCorp that, you know, that destroyed, uh, Ele- destroyed Element Lad's home. Okay. And are there people, is this home, his home has people on it, right? <laughs> uh in already- the original, in most versions of Legion continuity, there are no more. It's called Trom and they're called Traumites. Yeah. There no, there are no Traumites left, but Element Lad in most versions. But in this version, I, I think the implication was that some Traumites did survive. Yeah. Okay. See, that's the issue I was having because, I mean, their home world looks like crap. And it's just, but there is stuff still growing on it. But I don't see a lot of humans. The only, I mean, a lot of like people other than Element mm-hmm. Lad, and then you have the Ghost, who are yeah. Just I think the, I think the implication was that some some other traumites had survived the okay. depredations of the the evil energy company Roxas. <laughs> well, that makes more sense then, because that that confused me a little bit. I didn't. That was not my favorite issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So for number fifteen, we've got in a flash. We've got a Jack. Or sorry, not Jack. Jake Black on writing and Bob Atkins on art. Uh, Matt, I did what the happens same in- thing when I read the notes last night. I was like, "What? Jack Black wrote this?" And I was like, "No, Jake Black." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so with we're the both, plot we're both of dyslexic. Flash, yes. A bouncing boy and white triplicate girl date crossover with Matt and Bob's absolutely favorite character from Young Justice. Yep. Which is impulse yep <laughs> he's being, just the best matt we love him we love, love impulse, impulse don't we he's so I, uh, good i saw impulse on the cover and i was like this is gonna suck but then i kind of felt sorry for him because he's locked up in a virtual reality program until he gets his speed power straight who put him there i feel bad for the guy <laughs> uh basically i think this is his origin in main dc 
stuff. And I think his like parents or his society did in like the 28th century or wherever the hell he's from. What a bunch of assholes. Well, you can't just have a super speedster running around with no control, Matt. (laughs) So I'll put him in a virtual world with virtual people. Matt, let's put this issue in a virtual issue, a virtual world, and move on to issue number 16, our final issue, Untold Legend of Arm Fall Off Boy. Okay, I thought this was going to be really, really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't a bad way to end. Wasn't a bad way to end. We have uh, Matt Manning back on writing. We've got Sean McManus on art. Uh, McManus did a long run on Dr. Fade in the early 90s with J.M. DeMatteis that I dearly love. So I was happy to see McManus uh, drawing this. Uh, He's one of the few artists I've been really familiar with before their work on this series. All right, Bob. So the plot of this one is arm fall off boy runs away from home again without his arm. Yes. Yes. So, Matt, what do you think about arm fall off boy? Okay, arm fall off boy, Bob. The stump where his arm goes. Shouldn't have like a bone sticking out or like something he could get connected or reconnect. No, Matt, like the, bone, the, bone or, fall, the bone falls off with the arm. He's, he's arm fall off boy. If arms off, it falls off with the arm. But I mean, like the part of like the shoulder that it's connected to, like the the like, should there be some bone there that he has to like plug it in? I mean, I think that's pretty bigoted of you to assume that all alien biologies are just like yours. (laughs) He's got two legs, two arms and a head and a torso. If he had a different look, I'd be fine with it. But this it's like he's he's just an orange human looking thing. But it's like but there's no bone sticking out of his arm either, Bob. So you can't even tell me that. Like, how does it stay connected? Well, I mean, it obviously doesn't. So maybe that's what I'm missing here. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. It's not arm stay on and boy, Matt. It's just arm fall off, boy. It's like Velcro almost. Anyway, it's really gross because it looks like he has a vagina sticking out his shoulder. I've, I'm glad we got to your real issue, Matt. Your your true fear here. Hold on. Let, let me do a second <laughs> take of that. <laughs> Whatever. It kind of looks like he has an asshole attached to his shoulder. I'm glad we got to the real issue, Matt. Your true fear. Which one's better? <laughs> I leave that up to you, dog. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I'll leave both of them. In. <laughs> I'll leave both of them in, and the conversation afterwards, and this part. <laughs> so, it's a, uh, it's very avant-garde. It's like a, it's like in that show Homicide or in a Godard film where they, they do three different takes of a conversation like right in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to point out to Bob that this is not the same as TDK, the detachable kid for the Suicide Squad. I mean, squad. it basically is. <laughs> But, but this is an alien, Bob. This is from another planet. Detachable uh, kid was from the Earth. So, Matt, I know you, you clearly have a lot of criticisms here, but were you happy that your boy Starfinger returned? I was, Bob, but I feel like have we met all of the League, Legion of Superheroes rogues gallery? Like, <laughs> no, they've, they've been holding back a lot of the best people like we. I mean, not that Pulsar Stargrave is that great, but we haven't met Pulsar Stargrave. We haven't met the Time Trapper. Uh, we haven't met Mordu. Um, they haven't really used the Cuns. They haven't used the Dominators at all. They've been holding back a lot. I'm just like in 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 ten of these issues, two of them are Starfinger, the best bad guy. <laughs> well, I think that I don't think the I don't think the comic could use characters mostly that the cartoon hadn't used oh okay 
Because that, that's that's normally the way, right? They don't want to. Yeah, because then you're introducing a new character that may, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then like, you know, like there's the Dark Circle in the Legion movie, which maybe you haven't gotten to that part yet. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah, another. I, did, I, did. I got that far. Okay, okay. <laughs> this has been the longest watch of a movie ever for me. <laughs> Yeah, I can read Christ. the comics in one sitting, but the movie, no, no, I can't. I yeah, watch it like, you read t- 10 comics in a row, but a, a 90 minute movie. No, it's too much for me, Bob. <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, let's see. Uh, so I will say that Cosmic Boy's sideburns cracked me up, um, as did Phantom Girl suggestion that Arm Fall Off Boy uh, pay her dry cleaning bill. And uh, I, I, I have to admit the the gag with like Phantom Girl's ring flying off with arm fall off boy's arm. That's a pretty good gag. It really is. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, this was actually not that bad of a cop. It's a fun little thing. And I mean, come on, you, it's, you're, you're writing a story about a guy whose arms fall off. You, you, if you can make, you know, 20 pages interesting with that concept, I, I give you credit. That's <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the most uh, attention that Arm Fall Off Boy has ever gotten. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a pretty solid issue. Uh, Matt, what was your uh, visual of the week? My visual of the week, Bob, is in issue 13 when Luther unveils his Lexo Skeleton 3000 on the top panel and everyone is clapping in, in the bottom panel while Clark adjusts his glasses. It just it had, that, it had that look like, you know, you know, you've seen him do it in the movies. You've seen him do it on yeah, the yeah. animated series. You seem to do it everywhere. He always adjusting his glasses when something's off. That's what this was. I, even though I was kind of skeptical about the concept of all the statues of Justice Leaguers in these issues, I did actually think the fake out in issue number 11, where it seems like Superboy is talking to Martian Manhunter, but it's actually the statue was pretty well done. Yeah, that was pretty cool. All right, Matt, who is your character of the week? Character of the week, Bob, goes to Bouncing Boy. Never in my life would I think that a character named Bouncing Boy would be so damn interesting and have so much like plot development. (laughs) And I I can't remember if I told you this uh, last year, but honestly, this is probably the most attention Bouncing Boy has ever gotten. Kind of like our fall off boy. So, yeah, this is this is peak Bouncing Boy. And then um, I was watching that movie and he's in that film and I'm like, oh, he's just he going to be a background character. And I'm like, not really. He's actually part of the team and interacting and doing bouncing boy shit like he does in this. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a legit <laughs> character. I just really think it's cool. Like he's got, you know, this relationship with triplical girl. He's got, you know, these powers and friends and everything. There's just a lot to him, even though his main power is that he can just turn into a ball. I, uh, I. I will say I, I can't help but be a little angry because I think uh, all the spotlight that uh, Bouncing Boy gets correctly belongs to Matter Eater Lad. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's my favorite absurd legionnaire. But uh, Bob, Bob going to get up there like Kanye and be like, Bouncing Boy, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> but but Matter Eater Lad, Lad had the best gag. Yeah. Best gag this year. <laughs> oh man i just just as long as matter eater lad doesn't go through his nazi phase oh god that doesn't sound good (laughs) oh kanye (laughs) get back on your meds dog get back on your meds um triple kit girl uh she's my character of the week she's great um I, i i don't like what this says about us matt that you went with bouncing boy and i went with triple kit girl but nonetheless here we are This was these were good issues for them, especially Triple Girl had some. She had two like very prominent issues. And this is the ten we've read. So, so what's your issue of the week? Yeah, Yeah. issue of the week, Bob. I give it a number twelve. I enjoyed Timberwolf's solo outing. 
even though there were a lot of pages with no dialogue, I, I thought it was cool that you had this, he's more of like a silent predatory type character and he can, you can still have those darker adventures in the mm-hmm. 31st century that you don't see so much like in the cartoon. <laughs> All right. But, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So I, I would say our earlier conversation is making me regret this with all talk about uh, clans in uh, issue number 11. But I I do love DC Mars, so I I guess I will still give it to issue number 11 Mars. I don't don't see the problem, Bob, with you liking issue number 11 because, I mean, they're beating up the clan. It's not like they're. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I just didn't. I just didn't consider like. Oh, there's I, I should have put it together, but it's like they're separatist. They're calling themselves a clan. The clan is made up of a species of white people. It's like when you when you look at it all together, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it is pretty rough. I have to say, I'm sure that was intentional, though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's this was a, that was a different time. That was a tweet this guy. Let's find out. <laughs> He's oh, I, I am not tweeting this man about that. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, this has been our our long, long survey of so many issues, so many issues. Um, join us next week when we talk about the season two premiere of Strange New Worlds and the, uh, you know, this still fresh to you, still hot to you, still new to you. Season two premiere of Legion of Superheroes. I look forward to it. I'm Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. We are on Candy Treks. Have a good night. Thanks for listening.